going to talk about reigning in this life. This is kind of an unintentional series, which often happens because sometimes I study, I get going, and I find that I've got about three, works, three weeks worth of information that I have, and I have to whittle it down to 35, 40 minutes, and I have this leftover stuff. So we're kind of going after that or pressing into a little bit, things a little bit deeper. But last week, we exposed some myths about mission and ministry. And we looked at kind of these main things that Jesus shared life, that he chose 12 people, fishermen, tradesmen, some other people, maybe people that we wouldn't uh, have necessarily picked ourselves to be his uh, ministry uh, partners. He does life with them. He sends them out and they can do the same things that Jesus did. They could extend the ministry of Jesus even when Jesus wasn't with them. Then Jesus took the 72 and he does the exact same thing. They go out and what they find out is just as sickness and demons have submitted to the name of Jesus, that the same thing begins happening for the believers of Jesus Christ. And then in John 14, 12, Jesus makes this seemingly crazy statement when he said that, um, that all who believe, and, and if you believe in Jesus, would you raise your hand? So if I, everywhere I look, I see all who believe will do even greater works. Now, we know that we can't do anything greater than raise people from the dead, but what Jesus is trying to say, and the thing that we have to be very aware of, is that uh, those who are true followers of Jesus Christ are going to do some pretty amazing things in this life, right, as we become the hands and the feet uh, of Jesus. So the big question is, well, how is all this possible? Hopefully you were convinced uh, to some degree that, that you could do ministry, that you were qualified simply through the gifts and the salvation that you experienced through Jesus Christ, that you have direct empowerment from heaven to, uh, to do ministry anywhere, anytime, uh, any place. But we, what we want to look at today is how is all of this possible? And I want to tell you the answer is, it's all possible. The reason that we can accept Jesus' statement by faith is because the authority that Jesus had, he has given to his followers. And I'm going to make this connection very, very directly, and we're going to take some time uh, to make it. And really, today's purpose is to awaken each other to the authority of Christ that is in each one of us. Now, how many here have watched The Dog Whisperer? All right, Caesar Milan, I'm sure if you've ever had a troubled puppy, right, really a, a tw- little 20-pound furry demon that's running around your house causing like you've probably watched it and you've probably tried a few of the things that, that Caesar is going to try, right? I touch you, you know, giving the little kicks, all that, the jerks. Like we've been trying it all, right? And for some reason, you know, families, they have these little, like I said, these little 20-pound furry demons, and they just come over and they're 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 biting people, they're, they're pooping everywhere, they're like tearing up the beds, they'll sleep on the couch, they get in between people, and they're just totally out of control. And you'll see that this little mongrel has full authority in this house, and he is the leader of the pack. And then all of a sudden, Caesar Milan comes in, these people have had this dog for five years, right? And their, their marriage is broken over it, they, you know, they're worried about they can't have kids because of this, this dog. Caesar comes in, what happens? In five minutes... Right? No eye contact. Just goes right up. 
right? And he goes in and he exerts his authority in the room. The dog doesn't even know what's happening, but as soon as Caesar exerts his authority, the dog just falls right into place, right? And the homeowners are going, the dog owners are like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? You know, they got that little stopwatch that goes in the corner of the screen that's been 17 minutes, like in this thing has bitten 50 people all of a sudden, it's like a little pussycat, like just sitting there as calm as could be. Well, it's because... Uh, he has exerted, like exerted into the environment, right, his uh, authority, the one that he always has. He just goes in and he assumes the role, the role of a pack leader. But, you know, it's not good enough that, that Caesar just does it. At that point, what does he usually do? He teaches the, the yeah, he trains, uh, he re- rehabilitates dogs and he trains the owners because he knows that as soon as he leaves and as soon as he doesn't exert his authority there, unless the, the dog owners come in and exert the same authority, what's going to happen? All right, there's going to be 20 pounds of demon of hell just kind of running around the place and he's, they're going to go right back. If they don't assume the leadership of the pack, all of a sudden that dog is going to do it. Once again, he's going to unlearn everything. I just can't help it. When somebody comes in and exerts authority, right, everything just kind of comes in uh, behind it. So we can see that just like Caesar does, that setting this issue, this foundational issue of authority in the homes of the pet owners, but in our homes personally, has to be settled as well. As believers, this is a core foundational thing that we need to settle in our heart and uh, in our mind, in our lives. Genesis 1, we don't, I don't have this to show you. We looked at it last week, but basically God created uh, man and woman in his image. He blessed them, and then he gave them a mission to go and multiply, to rule and to uh, reign. Uh, yet we can see that Satan is forever, the evil one is, is always trying to come in and take the job of the pack leader around this world and even into the lives of believers. But I want to say that the only authority that, that Satan has is the authority that we give him by agreeing. He has power. There's no doubt to it. But I want to tell you, greater is he that is in us, right, than he that is in the world. And the reason is, is that the authority of Christ, he was greater than the temple. He was greater than the Sabbath. He was greater than the grave. He's greater than every other authority in heaven and on earth. And because of that, we are more than conquerors for those that that he has given his authority to. So let's look and see how this authority works in there. I want to tell you that before Jesus stepped into his ministry, he stepped into his authority first. Luke 4, we're going to read verses 3 through 8. And then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, okay, put a circle right there. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Oh, then the devil took him up and revealed to him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because uh, they are mine to give to anyone 
I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, we see a couple of things in regards to authority. That the first thing that Satan attacks, Satan attacks Jesus' identity. He says, if you are the son of God. Why? Because Jesus' authority is directly tied to Jesus' identity. They knew that the son of God, right, the Messiah that would come would have all authority over all kingdoms. His would be the reigning kingdom. So everybody knew that if he was the son of God, he would have this great authority. And it's it's true in our lives, too, that identity and authority are intricately tied together. They're two sides of the same coin. And because Jesus is sure in his identity, Jesus is fully aware of the authority he carried. And I want to say this, that Jesus chose good, and when he chose good, he took back the authority that Satan had. And whenever we pray, we can always pray and fight from a position of authority and victory. And I want to tell you why. Good will prevail because the one who has all authority has chosen good. Good will prevail because the one who has all authority has already chosen uh, goodness, uh, good in the wilderness. And I want to tell you, the, the battle belongs to us if we step into our God-given authority before we step into the battle. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Well, we bless that little one right there and his frustration, Lord, or whatever uh, he's going through or she's going through right now. I pray that you would come and comfort them. Lord, we know that you love that little person that this morning is just as important to them as it is to us. And we bless him or her in the name of the Lord. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So we have to look at this thing. So Pastor Jeff, are you sure that I have this authority? Because sometimes I feel like I'm just getting my... uh, my south end just kind of handed to me, like in some of, the, uh, some of these battles. I just feel like I've been 10 rounds with, with Mike Dyson. Right, well, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, and this is where we are going to hang our theology, so to speak, because these are red-letter words, and if Jesus said it, we believe it. That's why we go by the name of Christians, because we believe and we live out the words of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. See, he is giving this power and this authority, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You guys paying attention? And be sure of this, right? Jesus, in regards to this authority, this given uh, authority uh, that's extended to us, he says, um, be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So we'll see this, this promise of authority that Jesus has, has given us. Like there's a, there's a backing to it. He says, I am with you in this. I am, I am physically present in, I'm sorry. When I'm not physically present with you, my authority is present with you through the Holy Spirit. There is no principality or no power in the world in the world that we can't see that can hold back the authority of Jesus. And in verse 20, it's his personal presence that he gives us. It's, it's that, it's, it's as, as basic as that. I mean, we just have to know. Jesus says, I want you to be sure of this, that when you go out and try to exert the kingdom authority that I've given you, I am gonna be behind you all the way. Isn't that comforting to know? Jesus really wants us to get this. This is something that he wants us to feel super confident about. It's not that we feel confident in our training. It's not that we feel confident in our uh, abilities, in our intelligence, any of those things. But we are confident in this, that this authority that we've been given, that Jesus is personally backing it the whole entire time. It works our, its way out, this authority in our lives as uh, in ambassadors. <clears throat> and ambassadors are representatives that have been uh, given extended authority to act on behalf of a ruling authority. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So you see, we are ambassadors speaking on behalf or acting on behalf of the ruling one, which is Jesus Christ. And when an ambassador enters into an, a, a treaty or two, into an agreement, into a contract, I want to tell you that legally, it's just as if the king or the president or the prime minister has signed that document themselves. Uh, it, it might be kind of common knowledge that, you know, that we have U.S. embassies all over the world. And where these U.S. embassies are, that that soil is actually American soil. That the, that the rules and the codes and the things that apply are uh, American on that piece of soil. And in New Song, we are to be like this collection of uh, ambassadors. And, and <clears throat> this could be, thank you, honey. This is an important point. You know, we're a collection of ambassadors, and this is like foreign soil. This is like light in, in the darkness, but the, the authority of the church just isn't in the four walls of the church. Here's something cool that I learned this week. I, I, I already knew that an embassy was foreign soil. I, if you've been on an international flight, it's kind of weird. You get off, and you, you fly to England, you're, you're not legally in England until you go through customs. That ground that you're standing on when you get off a U.S. carrier is actually U.S. soil. Here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that if you were an ambassador and you had a home in a country, that that home was also foreign soil. 
Think of that. Moms and dads. Right? That in your home, in your sphere of influence, there you have the ambassadorship. You can move in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Not just to our homes, but to our jobs, to our schools, and to our government. We take the authority of God with us. Now you may see like, gosh, well, there's, there's, I want to tell you that there's two kingdoms that are out there right now. Okay. There's the kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. There's a kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of the evil one. And I want to tell you that there is one kingdom that is uh, coming. There's one kingdom that is limited in duration. There's one kingdom that is limited in scope, but there is another kingdom that is coming. Right now, there's some resistance to that. We see it. We feel it, right? We feel like our citizenship in heaven, and we come into this world, and sometimes in some situations, we feel like we're aliens or, or foreigners, but we can take the power and the authority of Jesus into every one of those situations. We know that right now that there's some resistance to it. Right, there's two plans going on on this earth, but pretty soon every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pretty soon there's only going to be one kingdom. And it's important that we learn how to to be reigning in today because at the end of it all, it's not like we get whisked up to some little uh, harp playing cloud in the sky, but in the end, we, it's important how we learn how to reign in our lives today because there's coming a day when Jesus Christ is coming back and we will rule with him on this earth forever. So how do we step into this authority? You might be thinking, okay, I can believe this. I see the words of Jesus. Sometimes I don't feel like I have a lot of authority. Sometimes I do, but I really want to grow, right? I want to be like Caesar Milan. I want to step into environments. I want to step into places and be the the pack leader to have this authority in every situation. I want to tell you that we step into authority by faith in Jesus Christ. So by faith, we believe and live by Jesus' words. When he says that he has our back, that he is backing us from heaven, that he will always believe it by faith, we believe him. And I'll tell you why. Because every other promise that he's ever made us, he's followed through on. He is faithful and true. So when he says, all authority I have and I'm giving to you so that you can go out and make disciples of all nations that we know, He's telling us uh, the truth. He has proven himself over and over again to be the faithful and true one. We step into our authority by obedience. If we look at it, why did all of the demons and the sickness and the winds and the wave submit to Jesus in an unprecedented way. And I want to tell you the reason is because Jesus obeyed the Father in an unprecedented way. When he taught, right, it says he taught as one. Nobody else taught like him, even though they all knew the Bible. But he taught as one with uh, authority. It freaked everybody out when he calmed the storm because they knew that there was only one person that could calm, that had authority over uh, the earth, and that was God. 
So authority comes when we do what God has, when we do the things that God has for us to do. That's where, whenever Jesus calls you to something, gives you a passion, and he he puts you in something, I want to tell you that he gives you everything that you need to be successful in that calling or successful in that mission, including his authority. Number three, we step into authority by our community. If we live in unity and if we live in agreement as a church family with brothers and sisters, we'll realize a corporate uh, authority. Agreement is so powerful. I want to tell you, husbands and wives, it's the most overlooked uh, power that you have in your marriage, and that is the power when mom and dad, husband and wife, whatever, come together in agreement and agree on any one thing. I want to tell you this. If we walk in division, we will walk without authority. Straight up, if we walk in our church lives, in our family lives, if we walk outside of unity, we walk outside of authority. Parents, I want to tell you this. The day you decided, you know, we all have disagreements about how we're going to raise our kids. We try to get on the same page. The day that you showed that disagreement, that you weren't one together uh, about your child in front of your child is the day that you lost authority in your home. In fact, sometimes they don't even have to see you arguing about it in front of them. You know, authority or the lack thereof just has kind of a feel in a room, in an environment. So to get it back, just get on the same page. husbands and wives, moms and dads, and you'll see uh, great things happen in your marriage and in your family. You'll see authority start working. The fourth thing is that we step into authority by our thoughts. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. This is the apostle Paul writing. And he says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So by our thoughts, and the first thing that we have to think right is we have to be able to get uh, and know who the enemy is. Our battle, this thing we're supposed to exert our authority, isn't over flesh and blood. And too many times, church, we try to exert our spiritual authority over people. That's why sometimes they don't like us very much. All right, we try to demonize somebody, but the truth is it was probably already some sort of demon or evil spirit behind the thing to begin with. There's way too much pornography on the earth right now. And it's fine to go ahead and to pray uh, against people that that make pornography, to see people released from it and all of that. But I want to tell you this. The only reason that pornography exists is because the spirit of lust exists. 
So if you're having trouble with pornography, I want to tell you the first thing to do is to go after the spirit, that this battle is not just with flesh and blood, but it's with spirits, with principalities and powers in the realms that we can't see. And it says that we hold thoughts captive. You know what? We are not bound to any other way of thinking other than the way God thinks about us and about our situations. And I want to tell you, sometimes thoughts come into our mind. And I just had this vision. Uh, I used to kind of be uh, not all that great of a kid. And we would go around. We would just kind of hang out places. And we wouldn't say too much. We wouldn't like hassle people as they were going by. But we would just kind of hang out with a little bit of ill intent, just kind of like going, and we would wait for just the right moment, right? And then we would try to get a, well, we would try to get something out of the deal. We would try to use somebody. We would try to steal from them. We would try to rip them off, slide a hand. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But we were just like vagrants. We were just kind of hanging around, loafing around. And I want to tell you that we have, there's thoughts that we have that are just like these vagrants. And they may not come at you totally strong and, and put a gun to your head or anything like that. But they're just kind of hanging out, lurking, waiting for that right moment to come and rip you off and take advantage of you. So this is the thing, that when you have those, we have to hold uh, captive, not some thoughts, but we have to hold captive every thought. So even when it's coming in, it doesn't seem all that dangerous. Boom. You know what? You, you say, you know what? I am the authority here. I am taking, I am putting this thing in handcuffs and I am kicking them off of my soul. You have, or my soul. Yeah, my soul, but kick them off of your soil, right? You are the authority uh, in your life. Not Satan. So don't let these kind of things just sort of hang around and lurk. Go after them. Uh, Put the handcuffs on them. Kick them out. And we have to expose false authority in our lives, in our thinking. Illegitimate power. There's only one legitimate power in our life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to refuse to submit to all of these other authorities, and it says pretenses, things that set themselves up as though they are, it's like somebody coming in that's not a police officer and putting on a cop uniform and saying they have some sort of authority to arrest you or detain you or to do something else. But they aren't cops. They have, really don't have any authority. They're just imposters. And that's what Paul is talking about. There's just all sorts of these uh, imposters of authority, illegitimate power, proud obstacles, strongholds. And if we refuse to submit to them, I want to tell you that we will, and reject their attempt to rule over us, they will not have any authority in our lives. Now, I I know the, the enemy, that he's got some power, but I want to tell you, he does not have all power in your life. He doesn't have authority. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, when he was in the garden, had he a agreed with Satan in any way, Satan would have owned him. Satan would have had that power. We have things will come and they try to rule over us. We all have family histories, right? We all have things that our family was and we all have things that our family uh, wasn't. 
And sometimes we just see things going on in families from generation to generation to generation. And somehow we think because of the way it it was, somehow has power over the way it's going to be in our family. And I want to tell you, uh, husbands and and wives, I don't care if you're you're about to get married, if you're just married, I want to tell you that regardless of what happened in the past, you have the authority, you have the right to set up your own code of conduct for what's going to happen in your house, the values, uh, all of those other systems, you have the right to it. Nobody else does. And just because something happened that way in our family before, you have it. You have been given the authority to do determine those things. And finally, we step into authority with words, especially speaking God's words. You know, Jesus didn't uh, just think his way through temptation, through this, this situation where he had to determine his identity and his authority, that he didn't do it with just thoughts. And I'm going to give this kind of disclaimer that I, I know that, you know, when we, we talk about speaking and speaking faith and, and these things, that there's, there's, there's ways to abuse that, right? There's the blab it uh, and grab it types of, of stuff out there. But here's what I want to say, that the Bible is super clear that words matter, Read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, our words matter, right? And if you want want to argue with me on it, we'll go out and have coffee. Just be sure you're packing a lunch. (laughs) Because it's going to be a long meeting. Not that I'm not teachable or shapeable. But here's what I know. I know words matter. They can break a bone, the power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. And words can change a nation and have changed nations. So with our words, Isaiah fifty four seventeen. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. And these benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. We are here, and part of what we're doing this morning is we're we're here to raise uh, awareness of the things that are being spoken against us, the things that we are agreeing. You know, I want to tell you that the the enemy tries to exhort his authority over us, and he does it by talking to us. You guys ever notice that? Blah, blah, blah. You'll never this. Why are you doing that? Told you so. All of these things, and sometimes these things come from very, very well-meaning people. But you know how uh, you can tell if Satan's lying? His lips are moving. Right? And you might be thinking, well, I'm kind of new to this. You know, how do, how do I know if this is a lie being spoken into my life or not? Here's the test. Any area in our life that isn't glistening with hope, yeah. we are believing a lie. Any part of our life that isn't glistening with 
hope, right, that hasn't been fully redeemed, covered with the blood of Jesus, that we're not believing that sooner or later, one way or another, God is going to come through for his kids. I want to tell you, that is the area where we're probably believing a lie. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. We take these things on all the time. People get angry and frustrated. Sometimes, you know what? We have nothing to do with it. We just happen to be the lucky person that just walked into their life the very next conversation or the very next moment they had something to say. I want to tell you, it's extremely important at that at that point, uh, you can be gracious if you're in customer service. Like, I get it. Like, well, I'm just here to provide you with excellent service. I mean, you got to kind of stay on the script, and I get that. But, man, as soon as you hang up that phone, like, I reject that. Like, I wasn't being, I wasn't being an idiot. I was, I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thoughtful. I'm not uncaring. There was just a company policy in place that to, to, for my job, I had to uh, take this sort of action. All right, so this is how we do it. All right, we step into authority, right, by faith in Jesus Christ. We, by faith, we believe when Jesus says all f- that he is giving us authority and that he will be with us surely to the end of the age, we believe it by faith because he has proven himself faithful. We step into authority by our obedience. I mean, I want to tell you that this is really where it is. Don't go circling around the block, chasing all these things that that the enemy is putting in front of us. God has laid out a path for you. He has a call on each and every one of your lives. And stay focused on that and that alone. Just do what he says to do. And you will see that you all of a sudden... We'll have a tons of authority. You'll start realizing it in your life, right? And this is the difference between owning something and possessing something because you can own something and not really possess it. I can buy a car. I can buy it online through cars.com or something like that. I paid the money. I signed the contract. I send it in. But you know what? Until I get those keys and I actually sit in the car, I haven't really possessed it. This morning is about raising the awareness and awakening to us that we can possess authority, that it is ours. We are legally entitled to it by the blood of Jesus Christ because he gave it to us, not by anything that we've done. So don't think... I'm trying to think like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Pastor Jeff's trying to put us on par with, with Jesus and, and all these other things. That's nonsense. That's crazy. We're just saying not because of any of our merit, nothing that we have done other than say yes to Jesus Christ, and he has gifted us. This is why, this is why the Apostle Paul, right, they tried to come against him in the Corinthian church, and he said, hey, these words that I speak to you, they're not eloquent types of things, but I'm speaking on power and authority that Jesus Jesus Christ has given me. So we step into uh, authority that way. We step into authority in our community. If we walk in division, we walk without authority. And I want to tell you, as, as much authority as each of us has as indiv- individual believers, there's something awesome. There's something much more that happens when we come together and in agreement. I want to tell you, that level of authority changes lives that change the world. We step into authority by our thoughts. I want to tell you, be sure we know who the real enemy is. They pray against the things. We have weapons that are powerful to bring down things, pretenses that set themselves up as authority. Expose them. Nope, that's a fake badge. All right? 
How many times have you been to the donut shop? You know, no, I'm just kidding. You, you can't be a cop, right? Or I guess it's like Starbucks now, bagel places. And we step into authority with words, right? Not our own words. If you want to know how to take authority, I want to tell you, memorize some scripture verses and then just speak the word of God. I feel like uh, in this situation, I feel intimidated. I'm going to speak the word of God. I am more than a conqueror, right? Because of what Jesus has done. I don't know if I can turn this company around. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me again. So through his uh, authority. And we silence every voice raised up against us to accuse us. Amen.